Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. Oh, that's how you've done that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew you just holding your headphones up to this so I could hear what was going on. Every single time. Yeah, now, now the secret's out because now you can see me. <laughs> That's how you've been enjoying this intro track yeah. this whole time. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, I really enjoy that. So, Welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. And I'm George. All right. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, oh. time of this recording is Thursday evening. This is the last, uh, last Thursday of April. We have plowed through weekly shows for the entire month of April, and this has been huge. So. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. We made this. it all the way through. Yeah. Oh man. This honestly, this went so much better than than I ever anticipated that it would. I'm I'm excited every week to do this. Th- this has been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good time, and I know. And we're gonna get to the topic of odd or you know, in my case, somewhat tragic birthday stories. But oh, I got tra- I got tragedy in mine too. You got tragedy in yours? Okay. So got, Today's going to be a whirlwind of emotions. Oh, we're going to have funny. We're going to have sad. We're going to have, <laughs> why the hell would you ever do that? Yeah. I've got one of those. <laughs> gonna be a, yeah. yeah we, we're we're going to be all over the board. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before we get into things, what are you drinking tonight, sir? Oh, yeah. So, all right. I've got two. Uh, so, I'm going to start with this all one. All right. It is called... Shapoing or Shlapoing? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh but this is a mango s'more India pale ale brewed with marshmallows, graham cracker, salt, and lactose sugar with mango and vanilla bean added. So if you want to talk about there's a lot going on, there's a lot going on. I'm getting flashbacks of that uh, of that chai chai beer that I had on the last show. Well, this is another Hannah special, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and then I've got another one. What what what, what brewery made that? Oh, that's a good question. Let me take a look. Uh, Omnipolo. Where are they out of? They are out of. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Distributed. Well, that's what's distributed. Uh, it's made by Omnipolo. Uh oh! It was uh, looks like it was contract brewed with Dorchester Brewing Company out of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was made All for right. Omnipolo, so this is a contract brew situation. So yeah, looks like Good Boston. Deal. And then I've got another Boston. one because that one's kind of small. And this is a sake style saison, still water extra wow. dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sake style saison uh-huh. that sounds fantastic yeah we'll see <laughs> so let me show mine off now we have a little brewery here in the midwest called bells oh yeah i'm sure you've heard of them and this is one of their flagship beers this is oberon oberon yep which is a american wheat ale i have to admit that this has been in my fridge for quite some time so I'm not sure this is going to be in tip-top shape tonight, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Okay. I am on a bit of a mission to clear out some of my uh, fridge beers, <laughs> which there's 
a pretty fair amount of those. So making progress, though. So anyways, so, George, right before we got into the recording, teased a story that I'm on the edge of my seat for. I, 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 I did, and I and I would get to that in just one second. I just need to change one option. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my sorry, my recording wasn't cooperating there for a second. So, um, yeah, it, I did. And so I'm kind of resurrecting our Twitter account a little bit. I want to try to do a little bit more with that be able to get this information out to you guys and i found an article that exemplifies the term fake news in a way that i can't even describe so i'm going to share this with you and i read through it just to make sure i wasn't you know misrepresenting what this dude was saying and i don't think that's the case this guy unironically came up with, quote, the official domestic beer power ratings. And he did this based <laughs> on a continuum of chuggability and taste. And, again, unironically, came up with the number one most chuggable, best-tasting beer, domestic beer, is Miller High Life. <sighs> Number two is Bud Light, Rolling Rock, and then finally something that is like verging on a craft beer. We talked about it before is Yingling, but it took Miller High Life. I mean, I got nothing against Miller High Life, but Miller High Life has got to be a sponsor of the LA Times. That's all I got. That's all I got to say. I mean, for L.A. is not short of craft breweries. I'm te- I, I'll tell you that no, right now. There's no I, shortage. I'm sure they're not limited to this to this this stuff that they've got in this article. Yeah, and so at the end of the ratings, I'm not going to disagree with his assessment that maybe Bud Light Orange is like the worst beer, the worst domestic beer. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with his assessment there, but on the upper end of the scale. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Fake fake news and uh, big company money. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's 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 my that's my take on it. I'm with you. Yeah. That was <laughs> I was just I, I read that and I was like uh, I I don't even know what to do with that information. So yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so like I said, I'm kind of re-upping our our twitter account I've, I've run into a few great people and i've actually run into a situation that i can't quite explain so maybe somebody out there can help me with this there seems to be like okay so i was using the hashtag homebrew because i kind of figured that would be a good one for you know enthusiasts like us right sure of course. so then i searched the hashtag homebrew to like maybe retweet some things and take a look at some and i saw a decent amount of people making beer and coffee and you know homebrewing things like that but there seems to be a correlation between the tag homebrew and dungeons and dragons now i have absolutely no problem with this i love dungeons and dragons i have a good time with it i a lot, a lot of people do. I just do. do not understand why this is the case. And so if anybody's out there can tell me what is the connection between D&D and the hashtag homebrew, 
I, 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 I would love to understand that better. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Never being a D&D guy, I, I've got nothing to contribute on yeah, that. Yeah, so... <sighs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and try this. What what was it called again? Oh, shit. Uh, hang on. That, 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 spill. That, oh, spill. Party foul. Hang on. Oh, no. <laughs> I almost feel like I should maybe tell one of... You know what? With George not here, <laughs> I'm not going to be so mean. You know what? <laughs> I've got I've got plenty of Brude stories that that involve George and some <laughs> embar- some embarrassing moments for the both of us. There, there's a there's a wide array on on both sides of it, and uh, it just wouldn't be as much fun to tell one of those without without George being present. So I guess I can't do that. I guess I'll tell one one Brude story. This this won't be one of the top ones, but um, one of the st- one of the Brudes that did stand out in my in my mind when I was putting today's list together was a double IPA Brude that I did in December of 2017. It was another Garage Brude with a temperature of about 25. It was a Brude that lasted seven hours, start to finish. I did not have a space heater. I had a brew partner for only about two hours of the brew day. So I did the entire uh, brew day from boil to cool down to clean up all single-handedly, which I didn't think that I could do, but I got through it. And I was, oh man, that was, that was a full day. Let, let me tell you, that, that brew day start to finish, that was, that, that was more, that was more than just, than a, than a full day for a brewer. A great day, though. And I'll tell you, I'm, I was very proud of that double IPA. So much so that the keg did not last very long. So, um, what else about that brew day? What else, what else, what else? Um, yeah, doing cleanup in the outside elements when it's 26 degrees is not fun. I've found my way to better equipment and better processes since then. Oh, hey! Okay. How's it going, buddy? Look who's back. <laughs> your audio just kicked on about five seconds after you after your uh, video oh, came on. Jeez, I figured out what happened. Apparently, in my hasten to clean up my keyboard, I locked my alt key on. Ah. And so everything I was t- <laughs> typing, it was trying to do alt something, you know. So everything's back online. All, all right, right good. Good sorry deal. about that. All, all right, right. Um, it is all good. Yeah. So anyway. We left off at oh the the uh, the dungeon Dungeons and Dragons right. story yeah so I which I yeah what is it I, I I still don't understand how that's connected to Dungeons and Dragons again not complaining but you know it's it's a curiosity to me so let's put that out on our Facebook yeah. page let's see what kind of feedback we get yeah I already th- we can actually we can we can we can do that while we're uh, while we're here on we the uh, recording. Can. It's going to take, two, gonna take right. two seconds. If you're not on our Facebook page, you really ought to be. Check us out on Facebook at Nice Place to Brew. We also post pictures on Instagram at A Nice Place to Brew. 
come check us out. Give us a like. Keep in touch with us. Yeah, and like I said, I'm uh, resurrecting our uh, Twitter account, uh, which is also a nice place to brew. So feel free to drop me a line there. Um, trying to any uh, interesting homebrew setups, or uh, I've I've encountered a couple people that's their first homebrew, and it's been interesting hearing their stories. So uh, feel free to drop me a line on that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. So, so ready to talk about brew day stories? I am. You want to start? All right. Uh, I can. Sure. All right. Okay. So I've got th- I've got three categories, or I should say, these are um, these three stories that I've got uh, today are how do I say? They reflect certain time periods of my evolution as a brewer, and also our time together brewing. Okay. So today, I'll, I'll start with the first story, and the theme of this story is going to be brew day injuries. <laughs> and we're going back to our first... Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this. So we're going back to George and I's first brewing location, which was his old house on Main Street. Uh, not his last house here in Illinois, but the one before that. This was the site of our first ever brew days, and we brewed on a monthly basis in George's backyard for two years? Yeah, two, two and a half years. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, I guess the lesson from this story is take appropriate precautions mm-hmm. when you're doing things on brew day. Now, George and I did not have ideal processes at that point i mean heck we were still learning you know we still had you know a lot of introductory equipment that we were working on and um part of the amateur nature showed itself in our cool down process now george was fortunate enough to have to have a utility sink in his basement Mm -hmm. um but we were not brewing in his basement we were brewing in his backyard so our genius minds told us okay Here's the proper process. We will boil outside. Then we will bring said boiling beer after the end of the boil downstairs from backyard to said basement. And then we'll cool it with uh, with an immersion chiller from a utility sink. What could possibly go wrong? Well, Besides George's ankle everything. tells the story. <laughs> I still, I, you know, the, the funny part is this is my first story, too. And oh, really? Yeah. And... I still have uh, I still have all the evidence. You know, I'm but sure. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> oh, gee. are you, you going to show it on camera? No, no. I, I don't think it's. I was just looking to see how visible it still is. But keep going. Oh, okay, okay. But anyways, to George's credit, George did not even acknowledge that something was wrong until the following day, when apparently I guess his ankle hurt so badly that he had to explain to his wife what happened. And lo and behold, George end up, ended up at a doctor's office later on. And a couple days later, I see George, and his ankle's all bandaged up. And he's like, yeah, you remember that uh, little spill that we had uh, post-boil? I'm like, yeah. I do. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, here, here's the evidence right here. So so you didn't actually say what actually caused it because it wasn't what you would think. It wasn't us carrying it down and I and we spilled some of this boiling liquid and it hit my leg and you know the sugary wort liquid 
if it does, you know, hit exposed skin, it's like napalm. It's hard to get off. It's it's really yeah. painful. But what actually happened here was, uh, and this is a cautionary tale to check your equipment before you start, is um, the immersion chiller had a line coming off of it, and it was regular low temp line. Well, apparently enough hot liquid had traveled through the immersion chiller and through these lines that it burst. And yeah. that is what, you know, so all of a sudden, the the you know, nice cool liquid coming out of my utility sink going through the immersion chiller came out near boiling because we had just started burst that line and shot near boiling liquid right on my ankle and yep. yeah that took forever to heal up and so i definitely much so still that there's still evidence right there I definitely still have a scar associated with it, but you know what they say, chicks dig scars. <laughs> <laughs> Would your wife agree? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Okay, well that's 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 my fur that's my first story there. <laughs> George. Oh man. Yes. Yeah. Lesson is again, take proper precautions. Don't get hurt. Oh, Do yeah. any, whatever it takes to not get hurt. Just make make sure that's make sure you're covered. Yeah, for sure. And make, and make sure make sure you have medical insurance too. <laughs> Thankfully, I did have this that. Is, this, this, uh, this is a PSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it that that was actually my first story too. And uh, man, I'll never forget that day. And since then, I'll tell you what. I have definitely made sure that all the connections in in my in anything that's going to be running liquid is good before I start. That way, you oh know, yeah, nothing like that happens again. Yeah, the right thing, right thing to be, right way to be. Yeah, for sure. You know, one similar in injury story, and <laughs> um, our friends at Metal Monkey Brewing have been on the show twice, and. If, if if and when they come on the show again, and, and J- Jason and Dan, you're you're welcome on the show absolutely anytime. Um, Jason has an unbelievable story of messing up his knee on, oh, on yeah? site there at Metal Monkey. Oh man, yeah. I can imagine they. I'll, I'll, I won't talk any further, and I'll and I'll give Jason the, the 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 chance to come on the show and tell that whole story. But oh my god. Yeah. It's I, wild. Okay. It's wild. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, so yeah, that my my I guess second story is, <laughs> you know, uh, is along the similar line of remember to check your equipment and and check your profile and everything because I was making this is the first time I made my beer that I called a black hole, which is my ADSRM uh beer and i was making a imperial stout all out of grain no sugar adjuncts no dme all out of grain to kick up to the right um uh original gravity which was almost 11 something you know nice yeah no it was it was an aggressive thing and it turned out really well the first time and then not so great the second time uh i ended up chucking that but what happened the first time was i did not pay attention to the fact that my mash ton not big enough 
Um, <laughs> I have a 10-gallon mash tun, and I needed about a 12, 13-gallon mash tun. Um, so what I had to do um, while I was mashing, when I went to uh, put in my second infusion, I had to transfer it to another metal mash tun that I have that we... Uh, just to have enough space for it. Just to have enough space for it. It meant yeah. that I had to quickly adjust the water amount and temperature and everything to make sure that I could, uh, you know, still hit the, the temperature that I needed to and and everything. So that was a mad scramble to make that happen. At this point, I really want to refer all of our listeners to the last episode, episode 31. I, I talked on that episode about um, building a custom-sized mash, or I should say a custom mash ton mm-hmm. based on one that has a larger size. Yeah. George and I are both limited by 10-gallon um, containers, uh, which we use for mash tons. And if your grain bill is too high... You know, hey, you only got so much room, so you find yourself in the exact position that uh, that George was. You end up sacrificing a sparge, um, throwing um, off all the all the numbers as far as to what uh, your water additions are. It's just, it's not a way to brew. Well, or you end up. Um, it's not a nice to, place to brew. <laughs> it's not a nice place to brew. Or the other option, you end up, and this is what I was doing for a little while when I, you know, we tried to recreate it. When I went to recreate it was uh, shoot for a three-gallon batch instead of a five-gallon batch. That's an option, yeah. But, you know, if you really like the beer and if you have the opportunity to do it, then, you know, you want to be able to do that full five-gallon batch. So, you know, it's one of those things that's just like, I can't brew what I want to because of the limitations of my equipment, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I mean that's that's the answer right there is a is a custom mash tun. That certainly would help. Yeah, and that yep. may be in my future at some point too. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. You ready well, for uh here's lesson number 2. Yep, Public service announcement number 2. Watch your health. And don't brew beer on a day that you're having food poisoning. What? When did you do this? Oh, you don't recall? I don't. What? Why don't I recall this? Okay. All right. This was back in 2016. We were at brewing location number two, which was George's last house here in Illinois. Uh-huh. Um, this was one of our first brew days in the uh, newly uh, in the newly found brewing garage. Um, we had a number of uh, friends over to brew a scotch ale. It was a Sunday in February. We had somewhat adequate heat. But the weather had gotten to me, and I was I was a train wreck of health that day. I uh, couldn't stay near the uh, uh, near the operation long enough to be any sort of contributor. To the point that uh, by the time that the sparge was completed, George just pulled me aside and said, "Hey, man, you're you're clearly not hanging on. Why don't you, uh, why don't yeah. you pack up and head home?" So I do remember. I this. did, and. Uh, yeah, I nursed myself back to health, and that was that. So George, George uh, fortunately had some other friends on hand and was able to soldier on and finish the brew day. But oh man, that was uh, that was not one of my finer adult <laughs> moments. I'll tell you that right now. Well, you just wanted to brew so bad, you're like, "Damn my health! I will, well, I will you do it anyway." You know what? That's a part of it because you and I had not missed a, a monthly brew day in more than two years at that point. 
And I, I mean, at that point, like, like there was little to nothing that was going to keep me from a brew day. Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm still kind of that way. I'm not. <laughs> so I guess, I guess to a certain extent that hasn't changed, but you know, that's, that's a lesson for everybody. Listen, don't sacrifice your health, uh, plan your brew days ahead of time. And, uh, if you get sick a couple days in advance, Get yourself healthy, and then get uh, then get on your brew day. Absolutely, but don't sacrifice your brew day. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't forget what's you know we got to keep in mind what's important here. You know, right? Yeah, and the brew day is important. Absolutely. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, I, I what, what else? What else about that? Was there anything about that day that that stood out? Oh well, now now I definitely remember that, and so it, I, I believe there was a new style that we were doing too. So we weren't quite sure about it. So I was trying to yeah. juggle you and the new style and the people that were there that wanted to help but were unfamiliar with the process and things. And yep. so it turned into a little bit of a busy day for me. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Oh man. So, um mine is my next one is kind of on the same realm of pay attention to your body, but oh. has to do with the perils of brewing alone. Um <laughs> Because, I think I know where you're going with this and I'm totally looking I'm looking forward to it. Because we say and rightfully so, that it takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. <laughs> the trouble is when you're brewing alone and you're having a lot of good beer and making great beer, if you wake up the next morning and you don't remember the last 30 minutes of your brew day, that's a problem. <laughs> and that's uh, what I kind of ran into. I, oh, I, and I called Jason about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was in this. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I don't remember most of that conversation, but I remember I was just hammered on my porter and, and finished my brew day somehow successfully did not burn my place down and got everything into the fermenter. So obviously I've been doing this long enough that my body was on autopilot and knew what it was doing, but mm-hmm. That was not something I, I I will I want to recreate, and I have <laughs> since then been much more careful about how much good beer I consume while I'm making great beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall offhand how long you and I stayed on the phone. I think it was a pretty long while. It was a little while, yeah. yeah. I, I remember parts of the conversation, and I, I, I you know, we. We had a good, but I, were you keeping me on the phone so you could keep an eye on me or, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, no, it, was, okay. <laughs> it was going by naturally. And you, I mean, for somebody who was intoxicated, you held up pretty damn well. <laughs> like, I mean, you weren't here. I was not hearing your voice and being like, whoa, man, George is <laughs> off his rocker. No, it's like you were, yeah, you, you could tell you had a few, but you were holding your own. Just okay. fine. Well, that's good Just to fine. hear. Yeah. But I remember hearing from your wife shortly <laughs> after we cut the call off, and she was like, he is so drunk. <laughs> like, okay. And this, is this my fault? <laughs> no, not your fault at all, sir, but absolutely true. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I was just doing chores around my house that whole that whole time. 
I think Candy was here with me too. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So the uh, we should we you know I think we I titled this one wrong because in the live stream I said odd brew day stories. I should have called this a nice place to bruise cautionary tales. Cautionary <laughs> tales. <laughs> <laughs> I said a couple shows ago about a segment called Learn from Jason's Mistakes. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess, I guess this could partially fit in with that. Well, it's Jason and George's mistakes, man. I'll tell you what. So What what were you... Okay, you, you said you were drunk on your porter, but uh-huh. what, what was it that you were making that day? Oh, the Brute. That was... Okay, that was the Brute. Yeah, brew okay. that was the Brute okay. Brew Day, which is wow. amazing that it came out the way it did because there were so many different additions in that Brute recipe because uh, I think I did... and I. Do I wish I had the spider when I did that one? Holy crap. But that was, I think, four or five different separate editions of hops. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was a... 60-minute boil? It was a... Was that 60 or 90-minute? Might have even been 90 minutes. I think there was some pills and hops in there. Oh. Oh, okay. Pills and malts, you mean? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Pills and malts. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that might have been a 90-minute boil, but I definitely did uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of work on that one that should not have worked out the way that it did. But, you know, nice. lucky, fortunate me, and now I yeah. watch my situation a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a great man once said, everything in moderation. Yeah. Including moderation. Including <laughs> moderation. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You had your moment. I did have my moment, yeah. So. All right, what about you, sir? All right. Third brew day evolution. Um, we're taking a trip to Virginia. Oh, not to George's brew house, but to George's porch for George's first Virginia brew day. Okay. Which was New for George, new for me, and mm-hmm. was a whole new experience for both of us, start to finish. Equipment-wise, environment-wise, everything. A um, couple things that stand out. Number one, it was like 105 degrees that day. Oh, stupid hot. It was oppressively <laughs> hot. Oppressively <laughs> hot. Um, second of all, uh, George uh, had the idea, one that he carries through today, is that he replaced part of his heating source with a sous vide. Mm-hmm. That was the first time with that. Yep. Um, lesson learned, a sous vide is not a quick way to heat up a liquid. Oh, yeah, very it's true. It's a great way to maintain heat, but create heat, not so much. Lesson learned. Yeah. Uh, new mash tun, new hot liquor tank, new everything. Mm-hmm. No. And... I could not have been happier that I got to participate in that. Yeah, no, it was really nice having you there to do the do the first run of it, you know. And I, I that was a that was a fun. Heck, all day. the equipment, all the equipment came together just within the that, those couple of days I was out there. Yeah, it did. We went out to the brew shop. I spent way too much money getting spun up, and we uh, we got to experiment with some new things. And that's the first time that I actually used a conical fermenter too. Because remember, I got the fast ferment. Uh, oh, at that yeah, same time. That's right. Yeah. Because so. all the carboys are, are now here. 
Right, all the carboys stayed with you, so I got yeah. the conical fast ferment, and um, have since gone to the catalyst since that you know since then. But um, that's the first time I used a conical. That's the first time I used the sous vide um, and all that stuff. And so there's been a lot of evolution, you know, based on those different things. And but you're right, uh, especially a 900 watt sous vide system like I have. You can't yeah. depend on that to take it from groundwater temperature to, you know, strike water temperature in a good amount of time. But to maintain temperature, it's very useful. To maintain temperature, to get it to yeah. the exact temperature that you want it to be, awesome. But, yeah. you know, you got to get it within a couple degrees so it can do that efficiently. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I need to jump on that, uh, on that, on the, one of those two. It just makes so much sense. And yeah. You're, you're clearly having good efficiency brew days using that. I'm doing all right. Yeah. I think I need to make some adjustments to my profile a little bit when it comes to the mash ton um, because I think I can get my efficiencies. My efficiencies are usually about 69, 70%. I think I can bump For it up. For a homebrew setup, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's not bad. I think I can bump it up a little bit more. Um Maybe with a custom mash ton or, or something like that, but and I think yeah. understanding the temperatures uh, a little bit more precisely. Um, yeah, that I think that's. Uh, but but yeah, I mean it's it's been going well. So yeah, that I mean I don't know if that's a cautionary tale other than don't depend on a sous vide. But it you know that was a <laughs> that was a fun brew day. And it was. You remember I ended up routing the hose out through my uh laundry room window and hooked oh, up oh yeah, yeah i forgot about that <laughs> hooked you know so the hose going from uh, going in you know the the water in and my immersion chiller actually came i unhooked my the hose line coming to my um washing machine and hooked it up to that and ran it out the window so we could get to the uh the immersion chiller <laughs> yeah that was a that was a fun bird day it was. It was. And now George has since built his now famous brew shed. <laughs> As you can see behind me. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, the process is smoothed out, and he's got everything he needs just right there in the, in the shed for a start-to-finish brew day. Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. All right. Uh, I've got a couple I got a couple of close calls. Do you have do you have some extras that you had just kind of bullet pointed? Well, let's see. I still have that I still have a third one, but you kind of stole mine. Oh, so sh- Yeah, you see you know, you, we, the floor is we, yours. Well, we had the same first one, so technically I owe you a third one here. Okay. Um, Bring but it before on. I do that, um, let me not party foul again. This was actually pretty good. Um, okay. You wouldn't think an IPA with uh, sweetness is something that you would really go for, um, but it kind of has like that sweet bitter balance a little bit. And it's, I have a couple cans of this, and I think I'm okay with having a couple cans of this in the house. So uh, what's the what's the ABV on that? ABV seven percent. So okay, it's just right. n- just north of sessionable, um, but comes in 12 ounce cans so that's not bad yeah. yeah and while we're taking a break here between these uh, let me crack open this sake style saison <laughs> which i recently found out from uh, uh 
brewery that I went to yesterday in town um, called Old House. And they had a Saison on the menu, and they had it listed as a Saison. And apparently people around here are unfamiliar with that term, and it just was not selling. So they sent... So is the only term farmhouse ale? Is they, it, does everything default to that? Yeah, so they changed it to a farm ale. All of a sudden, it's flying off the shelf. And <laughs> that's... Yeah, so, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. If you knew the area that George lives, you'd say that's, that's fitting. Yeah, so, all right, so this is a, this is Stillwater Extra Dry Sake Style Saison Ale, brewed and canned by Stillwater Artisanal in Stafford, Connecticut, and... Do you want to do a brew reviewed while I go and get my second beer? Sure. All right. All right, so this is 4.2% by, uh, of alcohol by volume. Uh, it's supposed to be a dry saison style, and I don't see a IBUs on here. But again, with the saison, I'm assuming it's going to be fairly low. So let me give it a shot, see how it tastes. Hmm. So if you're familiar with rice wine or sake, you kind of have a really dry, uh, kind of typically fairly hot um, alcohol that will you know kind of mimic a champagne feel a little bit and so they did a good job of simulating that of having that be in there and i'm guessing the final gravity on this guy was like one or even like 0.09 or something like that and so because it's really dry but it does have a little bit of saison notes of spiciness and um and yeah i think you know it's definitely an an, an interesting beer and not the first combination i would have thought of they do make special note here that the ingredients include water malted barley as we would typically expect hops yeast and sake rice so they actually use sake rice in the I'm guessing in the mash to add a little bit of extra starches and proteins and um and I'm, I'm guessing that's going to produce some really fermentable sugars here so uh, you know to be a perfectly honest i i kind of like it and i think i might try to simulate this myself i was just saying jason nice. that they actually use sake rice in the in the recipe and that I think is interesting. From uh, we've used rice hulls, but we've never actually used rice in our recipe. Now I know like Miller Lite and those guys do, but that's mostly as kind of a filler. But this is specifically sake rice, and uh, so yeah. I don't think there's any sugars that you're gonna sub, uh, you know, you're gonna be taken out of rice. It's going to oh, add to so. a pre-boil gravity, is there? I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that, like, Miller and those guys use rice in their in their recipes. Well, is, it might just be to smooth. It might be just to smooth out the the lottering. Might like, be like like rice hulls. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I I mean, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I've never used. Yeah, um, but no, I was saying I was saying that this one is definitely really dry it's got kind of a champagne quality to it with the sake flavor notes 
I mean, not sorry, the Cezanne flavor notes. So it's kind of like a, if I had to reclassify it a little bit, I'd say it's kind of a brute Cezanne, which I know is kind of a strange thing to okay, say. Okay, that sounds, that sounds really good. It, I, I honestly, I, really I like does. it. I think it is pretty good. Yeah. I missed, where is this brewed from? So this is Stillwater uh, Brewing out of... Connecticut, Stafford, Connecticut, uh, Stratford, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My second, be- yes, this is a two beer podcast. Of course. I have a mystery beer in front of me, but I purposely selected the darkest beer that I could find in an unlabeled bottle. Oh, so is it a homebrew or is it a? This is a homebrew. Okay. Yep. All right. And sure enough, yes, I'm pouring a stout. I think this is my big and dark beer from this past year. Okay. Oh man. Let's see it. Oh wow, that, look at that. That poured beautifully. I did. Look at that. That's got like good two finger head on it. That's Yeah. 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 Man, this has been in a bottle a while too. Oh man, I wish I had more of these. <laughs> oh George, I wish you were here for this. Is that your last bottle? This probably. Yeah. That beer is fantastic, and wow, has that held up well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, hey, I, f- I so, meant to ask you, because uh, since, since we talked last, I have my um, uh, American Pale Ale cold crashing. And, yeah. And uh, so what did your final gravity come out to in your version? 10-12. Okay, mine came out a little drier than that. Okay. Came what out a, around um, 10.05. You went all the way down to 10.05? I did. Um, so I think that actually, I mean, that's going to be very interesting to compare snow globes because... They're going to be that, really different. Yeah. That's really different. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of excited to see how that turns out. How did you get that all the way down to 10.05? You know, I did the smack pack. Uh, I let it do its thing, you know, and did the did the starter. I pitched that. I, I don't know if I just gave the yeast all of the advantages it could take in order to, you know, be able to have to ferment that down. I don't know if it was the higher, slightly higher temperature I don't know, but it really dried it out quite a bit. You did not use glucoamylase. I did not. Correct? Nope. Nope. Just firm cap. Okay. I just put firm cap in. So you uh, had about a 90% attenuation, though. Yeah? I didn't even think the yeast was that efficient. You know, let's see. The yeast... uh, It was 1056. 1056, right? Yeah. Let's see what the attenuation percentage on that is. You know, I've been reading the. I you know, I told you that for Christmas I got all four of the. Uh, oh um, yeah, the watermelt hops and yeast. Yeah, all, all yeah. four of those yeah. books. I've been reading the yeast and reading about right, like what right. the different things are for like flocculation and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so it says attenuation is seventy three to seventy seven. So that's not ninety. It's not ninety. I don't know what happened. I really don't. I just know that it, it really... like. And I told you, it was a super aggressive fermentation when it kicked off. 
I, oh, mine was too. I mean, I had a, I had, I had probably three inches of croisin. Yeah, with you not using firm cap, I'm oh, super. Oh, that's right. You were using fir- using firm cap. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm so. super surprised you didn't blow your uh, your airlock. Well, I lost a fair amount of volume just from the um, from the uh, the trub. Oh, removals. that's right. Remember yeah. we talked. We if I talk hadn't done that. those, I would have blown off. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I would definitely recommend. You know, and actually, I think I'm going to run an experiment next time and put a few drops of firm cap in as I'm approaching hot break and see what that does because I've heard the same thing you do I've heard that you know firm cap as it starts to boil it denatures but it can really help with your your uh, your hot break okay okay so I want to you have do you have your firm cap around in the house yeah Oh, it's in the house. Oh, okay. Because I, I'm drawn. I mean, I can look it up, but I've I don't even recall what the bottle looks like or how big it is. Or it's just a little guy um, that I have. Oh. Uh, they make bigger ones, oh. but you only need three drops per gallon for the uh, in in oh, the geez. fermenter. So okay. it, it it'll last for a while. That I have is it's just a little eyedropper kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Easy enough. Uh, stories. We all good? I think so. Yeah. Did you? You said right. you had a few runners up. I had some close. I'm calling these close calls. Okay. I because uh, we talked. You know, I had to boil down to three. Those were the standout three, and I thought they were most worthy of the show. Um, I had three close calls, and one of them we already talked about. George's drunken phone call oh, will go down as an app is one of the more memorable brewing episodes i've ever had (laughs) and you have ever had we're going to be talking about this for a long time i think so too yeah that's one um here's another drunken brew day and uh this involved both of us but if you remember from the first brewing location you and i in the late summertime were brewing a autumn stout on your back porch and we had a keg of triple (laughs) <laughs> that was available to us the whole brew day. It's, we put ice. Oh my we god! Did we ice have in a the lot bottom of, of the the yes. cooler, right? And put it. Yep. In, yep. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So much. <laughs> so much. Yeah, because with, with our know, that was that was another episode. That was another brew day where we were both on autopilot by the end. Oh yeah. Like we sold we soldiered on, but we were both plowed. Oh yeah, for sure. And you remember that you know our I actually haven't brewed it in a little while. I need to uh, take a run at our triple, um, just because it's so uh, iconic. It's been a staple. In, oh yeah, it's, it's been a staple. a staple. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and and now that I think about it, I'd be really interested to see how much better I can make it, and and honestly, that you can make it now that we know so much more than we did. That's a great point. Yeah. You know um, what? I think our next dual brew day is going to have to be the triple. I agree. Now that we're talking about this. I agree. That seems very fitting. And but All right. It's on. I can tell you, like, we were super aggressive because we put, like, almost a pound of, um, what was it, sugar. Um, the, what kind of sugar is that? Well, we always candy, use sugar. candy sugar. Yeah, the candy yeah. sugar. Almost a pound of candy sugar in there. So by the time it was done, it was, what, like 10% alcohol. Oh yeah, so oh yeah, we're sitting there just pouring off a keg, <laughs> glass after glass of ten percent Belgian triple. Oh man, 
Yeah. I went to. I, I mean, I remember it was a Sunday that we brewed that. I went to work and I and I felt like hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and, uh, and li- I mean, listen. I mean, we we brew early typically. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm still feeling the effects the following morning, that says something. It does say something. Yeah, it says it says quite a bit. Um, yeah. I will also say, you know, so we're telling stories here. This isn't necessarily a brew day story, although it used some of our brewing equipment. Jason every year gets a. Uh, I can already see him smiling. He knows exactly where I'm going. I I, I totally do, and I love it. The floor is yours. Every year he gets a turkey from his company uh, because they're traditional like that. And so one year we decided we were going to deep fry us a turkey. And he brought it over, and I put it in a, a nice salt brine for a while, Got it out, got it all nice and dry and everything, and we, uh, you know, so we we were safe. We were out on, on my concrete patio outside, and we got our the, all that oil up to a good temperature, and we very carefully put this turkey in, and it cooked perfectly fine. Like, everything was going textbook until we realized... We didn't know how to get this turkey <laughs> out of the oil. <laughs> so, <laughs> there I am with a giant serving fork and a serving spoon. I'm putting the serving spoon inside the cavity, spearing the turkey with the serving fork. And, pulling. And, I, and I had a cutting board that I just had to maneuver underneath <laughs> it just so we could lift it out. So I'm lifting this turkey out, pouring the oil out of the turkey. Yes, yes. <laughs> trying not to burn myself or tip it over and catch everything on fire or anything like Knowing, that. Knowing, of course, what boiling oil does. Oh, good Lord. And so yeah. we, we get this out. We put it on the cutting board. We take it inside. Everything's fine. And we're telling the story. And my wife just looks at us and goes, you guys are morons. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Oh man! And the turkey was amazing. It really was. It was so juicy. Yep. Yeah, I would yep. definitely deep fry a turkey again. But it I've, was. I've done it. I've done it twice. Have you since that day? Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The last two Thanksgivings, I've done. Uh, I, I bought a special pot, so I'm not. I'm not anymore using the pot that I used to make beer with. Okay. Um. It's. I mean, little tip for anybody who's deep frying turkeys. It's by far easier if you have a narrow pot. So, so you don't have to use as much oil to get to a high point in the pot where you can submerge a turkey. Because you're going to have to do that. In order for the turkey to cook, you're going to have to submerge it entirely. Right. So a narrow pot's the way to go. So anyways, I got a pot just for that. Um, I mean, it goes... I mean, provided that you have the necessary tools to remove the turkey as well as put in the turkey, you're pretty much good. Well, now um, I do. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> that didn't go. help us then. <laughs> the, there's a couple of catches with with the overall process. Um, the first one is you got to heat up um, cooking or peanut oil to 350 degrees, which takes a fair amount of time. It does, but that's that's the longest process. I mean, once you submerge the turkey, the thing's done in like 40 45 minutes. Right. That's so about it. you know, t- cooking a typical turkey takes what like three four hours if you just shove it in the four, oven. 
four plus four plus yeah because it's like yeah. hours you know like minute i think it's like 20 minutes per pound or something stupid like that yeah something something like that but you know so in a in a deep fryer it takes like no time at all and yep. yeah but yep. i think the last time i did a turkey i we actually did a turkey breast and a good side turkey breast and i smoked it and oh yeah that's yeah. i remember let me tell you if you have the option to do that that's another really good way to do uh-huh. turkey yeah Ooh. That might yeah. be my challenge this year. I yeah. like that idea. Yeah, I yeah. think I might do that again. So uh, what other close calls do you got? You got one more. Okay. Um, and the fact that I'm drinking my stout right now, this story is all the more fitting. And I would have tell a story about my about my brew day where I made this. And I think I've told this story on this show before, and it's but it's worth repeating. Um, I brewed a th- three-and-a-half to four-gallon batch of this beer, I had to scale down the recipe for the same reason that George talked about, about mash ton limitations earlier. Um, so anyways, I thought I had sufficient headspace in my fermenter only to f- wake up the next morning and found out that w- that was not the case at all. Um, I lost a gallon of blow off. Oh, no. Of blow off. That's how much blow off. Yeah, I, I lost. You talk about trub loss. You talk about, um, you know water loss from you know from a mash which you're going to have have every time but just picture losing a full gallon through the top of your fermenter what were you blowing off into i was blowing off into a it i don't know if it's just a little gatorade cooler you know about it was a it was a cylinder cooler about you know okay you see yeah about about that long so you did know, you have enough a little, to actually, a little screw top? Did you have screw, enough to actually uh, like contain that gallon, or was it like spilling out over? No, it was spilling out. That's where the gallon was. Oh, geez. Now, I mean, that was my go-to just blow-off area, and it had worked for every other um, uh, beer I'd made up until that point. But I hadn't. I wasn't making beers that were ten percent alcohol, like you know, like this one right here. So yeah, you know, case in point, you gotta leave headspace when you're making a ten percent beer. Oh man, yeah, no, for sure. Everything else, everything else in that brew day went perfectly. Like my target original gravity was one point one. I nailed it right on the dot. Got my yeast starter had all had all that going. Just didn't account for the headspace properly. Wow. So yeah. Yep. Boy, that was a that was a fun cleanup. I didn't have bu- I didn't have bugs. That's that, that's the one that's the one thing that I can that I can be happy about. That's good. Yeah, but all that sugar certainly could do it. So you had another situation similar to that with, I th- was it mead? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, George's George and I's first uh, foray into mead making. Um, we made a strawberry mead here in my kitchen. Um, we mixed, it, uh, we blended a bunch of strawberries, blended a bunch of honey. Um, didn't properly account for the fact that all of strawberry sugar was fermentable. <laughs> so we we put together just this, you know, this sugar bomb of of strawberries and honey mm-hmm. and dumped a packet of yeast into it and then went out for dinner 
got back to my house just on my own, you know, two and a half, three hours later, something like that. And my kitchen is in just disarray. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got liquid everywhere, and then and then in a different growler, I can see just the uh, the croissant that's that's being produced is you know is going in an upward direction, and I see how small the tube is. I got a much bigger, uh, uh, much bigger disaster coming to me, and I'm like, okay, call George, George. I got a little brewing emergency. Fortunately, George lived five minutes down the road. He was there in less than ten minutes with some uh, with some three eighths tubing and a blow and an area to blow off and problem solved. Yeah, we converted an airlock into a blow off. Yep. That yeah, I remember that. And then you know, and that actually, I I was able to do that because that actually happened with a triple that we made in my basement. Um, oh that, yeah, that blew you out the same blo- way. Yeah, you learned what a blow off was by necessity. Oh yeah, because you had a you had a beer that was about to that was going to about to blow up your basement, and you're like, okay, how do I get around this? And you you found out just through trial and error. Yeah, if you take the cap off of an airlock and you take the that little bobber out, you know, the little float that allows the uh, the CO2 to come out, if you take that out and you shove a 3 eighths line on top of the post that's in there, you can run that to a growler or something that you can submerge in, in liquid. You can submerge that line in liquid and create a blow-off out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. what I had to do in both of those situations to basically simulate. After that, I went out and bought a couple blow-off caps for our car or for our carboys, and we started using blow-offs. But but yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a trip. <laughs> sure was. Yeah, it was. I tell you, um, I remember we 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 drank that meat a handful of times, mm-hmm. and I remember specifically taking that to one of our homebrew clubs, the Downers Grove group, and they just said this is the most high alcohol mead I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, we definitely because should take. I, I, because I tell you, I mean, there's there's a lot of home brewers that uh, that also dabble in mead making, and I've made a couple batches of mead since then. There's a lot of different ways to make mead, and there's a, there's a lot of different varieties that you can explore. Um, we chose the high alcohol. <laughs> we did the, the the high alcohol one. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, case in point. Now, if you want to put strawberry flavor into a mead, there's ways to do that. Other than blending strawberries and just making this this fermentable um, sugar base that you're going to dump yeast into, um, yeah, I mean the way to do that really is through secondary. Right, exactly. You know, take the what is that um, that you put in wine? Is it that phosphorus potassium uh, sorbate? Pota- potassium sorbate. You put that in, and then you can back sweeten with uh, with some strawberries or something like that, <laughs> and be able to have those uh flavors without all, turning all of that into you know fermentable sugars because what the potassium sorbate does is it kills off all the wild yeast it's so a you don't have the oppor- it's a preservative yeah mm-hmm. so you're not going to have the the opportunity to re-ferment which absent of that is exactly what would happen because you know yeast is not just a one-time you know one-time thing you know, if yeast settles down to the bottom and then you reintroduce more sugar, in, you know, into a liquid, 
what's going to happen? That yeast is going to wake up and you got fermentation again. Yeah, for sure. So the way around that is potassium sorbate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyways, lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. That's, yeah, that's my last, um, that's my last uh, close call. All right. I'm trying to think last minute, but if there's anything else that, uh, that really stands out, but we covered a lot of ground here. We did. Yeah, a lot of cautionary tales. Cautionary tales, <laughs> I yeah. feel like we have, like, the 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 Brothers Grimm, like, we could write stories, like, Proverbs. Oh, my God, yes, yeah. we could. <laughs> totally. Heck, I mean, we're, we're five years into this, into this hobby now, so, yeah. you know, you know, one, you know, one brew day per month times five years. That's, that's that's track record. That's track record. You got yeah, some, you got sure. some miles under under you. So yeah, you know that just you know comes with it. So what did we learn this time around? Check your equipment. Make sure you don't get too drunk. Miller High Life is not the best domestic beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch your health. <laughs> Watch your health. Yeah. <laughs> don't get hurt. Don't get don't hurt. Use, don't use a sous vide to get to mash temperatures. Right. Yeah. So. And. Um, don't brew when it's 20 degrees outside. So don't say we and never taught you anything. Yeah. <laughs> Lessons learned from a nice place to brew. I got a trivia question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And this is a music-related question. And I'm going to my favorite uh, style of music, which is, of course, heavy metal, which is where my heart is. So... Which of the following heavy metal bands have not been a part of a craft brewery? That's the question. You're going to have four choices. Oh, wow. Okay. So the question is not which of these metal bands has been a part of a craft brewery. It's which of those has not been. So, yes, three of the four choices I'm going to give have have a a beer on the market. Hmm. So here you go. Okay. Is it A, Metallica, B, Iron Maiden C Megadeth or D wait for it (laughs) Bon Jovi no (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't look up Bon Jovi I totally should (laughs) have I can tell you. I can tell you right now. He has been involved with. Uh, is with is breweries. that true? Yeah. I, I I honestly don't know. Yeah, no. I I can tell okay. you that he has been and restaurants. So uh, <laughs> that would not be. Yeah. I was just. That's a little shout out to the Metal Monkey crew right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. This one. I mean, Nickelback's douchey enough that I think they probably have. Okay. Um, and and you don't honestly classify them as metal, do you? I don't know. No, I mean, you know. Okay, we're gonna set that one aside because I feel like you just we'll come back somebody's to gonna we'll, pull we'll your metal. Back. Somebody's gonna we'll, pull your metal card if you say yes to that. So, <laughs> um, we'll come back to it. All right. Uh, this is a little bit of stab in the dark, but I'm gonna say Megadeth. Okay. Final answer? Final answer. Okay. All right. Um, to go back to your earlier comment about Nickelback, um, Nickelback is, first off, not a metal band. Okay, thank you. And second of all, is not part of a craft brewery. 
So okay. you're wrong. All right, so I'm wrong. Yes, the answer is right. D. Nickelback does not have a have a beer on the market and is not part of a craft brewery. Okay. So let's go through these. A, Metallica. Metallica has a collaboration with Stone Brewing out of California. They have a beer on the market called Enter Night. Okay. And, oh, geez, I thought I had the style written down. I'm guessing it's it going to be like a stout or something like that. One would think. Yeah, let's. I can look I don't, that up. I, I don't have that written down. I can look that up. Okay. Is it a Pilsner? Enter Night Pilsner. It's a Pilsner. Is it's a Pilsner? Right? Oh, interesting yeah. choice. Okay. All right. So, okay. Okay, next one, Iron Maiden. Iron yep. Maiden not only has a beer on the market, they have an entire product line on the market under the trade name Trooper, which is one of their one of their uh, most recognizable songs. So they have a partnership with Robertson's Brewery out of the UK. And, I mean, go through every major style. There's an Iron Maiden Trooper beer out there. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, they got a full website. Check it. It's actually a pretty impressive website. It's, it's well worth going, uh, going to. So Google search Iron Maiden Trooper beer. And last, we come to Megadeth. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, give a little history about Megadeth because uh, Megadeth's founder, Dave Mustaine, has had an on-off relationship with sobriety for the last 30 years. Apparently, Dave Mustaine is off his sobriety bandwagon <laughs> once again. Apparently. Because he now has a, has a collaboration with a brewery called Unibrow Brewery out of Quebec, Canada. And he has a Belgian saison under the name Atou Le Monde, which is one of his recognizable... Um, less fast songs. Okay, it's actually it's actually one of Megadeth's better songs too. If you, ty- you type in uh, a Tula Mole, when when I got me got my head spinning here, is Megadeth Canadian? No. Okay. No, All right. No, they're from, no, they're from San Francisco. Okay. Nickelback. Huh. Got got nothing here because they're not they're, they're not part of craft beer. Well, maybe they're douchey enough to not be a part of craft beer. You know? uh, <laughs> so, okay, yeah, I got no. another question for you. So, this shouldn't surprise you, but Kiss has a beer. They call it Kiss. Shocking. Shocking. Yes, yes they're of in everything. Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, but I think that's kind of on the edge here. Do you consider Kiss to fall into that metal category, or are they just rock? Good question. Okay. Let the audience simmer on that for a second. Okay, my answer to that is no. They they're okay. not a, Kiss Kiss does not fall into the metal category. Um I make my distinction between hard rock and metal to be a lot of the symphonic influences. And if you and if you have, you know, some defined uh leads in your songs. I think that's one of the de- defining characteristics of of metal versus hard rock. Okay, Kiss doesn't have those, so I, I think. I, I mean, listen, I like. Ki- I mean, I'm not a, a full fledged member of the Kiss Army, but I did just <laughs> see Kiss in concert two months ago, and I like Kiss. Yeah, no, they're always fun so, to watch. Yeah. yeah, oh, it was oh, it was great. It was you know, I'm glad I you know had the you know had the experience of seeing them before they supposedly retire. I know they've had like a dozen different farewell tours, and this is 
just another one of those. So Gene Simmons is going to drop dead. I think the poll that should happen is which stage he drops dead on, not when. You know. Yeah, and my thought on that is, listen, if you really don't want to call it quits, then don't. Then don't. You know, right. if, you, if that's what you want to do, if you want to play till you drop, then that's fine. Yeah. You, trust me, a band like Kiss, people will keep coming until that last show where one of those where, where one of the founding founding members drops. It's gonna happen. Plain and simple. What I think is amazing is that they've managed to stay together as long as they have, especially with the personalities that are in there. Well, there's only two founding members that are left in the band. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Gene and Paul, and and then their lead guitar player is is a has only been around a couple years, and the drummer too. Okay. All right. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a whole other Springer story. If you look at if you look at Kiss's history with their original drummer and their original lead guitarist. Did you just reference Jerry Springer? Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's a Springer story. No. And trust me, if you read if you look up the story, it's fitting. Uh, I I imagine. Believe me, it's fitting. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I got one other thing I want to point out about this uh, same musical topic. Um, okay. so we're going to so we're going to veer away from metal for a second, and there's there's a number of different musicians outside of metal that have dipped their uh, their hand into craft brewery as well. And one of those groups who's done so, you'll appreciate this, is a little group from Oklahoma called Hanson. Hanson, oh geez, Hansen, okay, yes. Going way back to the late 90s. Yes, they were 14, 15 years old. They came out and had a huge hit song at that time called Umbop, mm-hmm. which every teenager was was singing throughout, you know, the uh, the summer when that when that came out. It, it was it was the runaway hit of the year. They were, you know, they were on, you know, MTV every five minutes, on every magazine, all that. Um, Hanson, you know, obviously is not um, the same profile as, as they were uh, to that point, but they've stayed together. They continue to make music and they've actually, you know, held up surprisingly well. They, you know, they haven't gotten into trouble. They haven't had their stint in rehab. You know, they don't have, you know, you know, baby mamas all over the country. And you that know, you any know of, of. You know, maybe, maybe right. <laughs> they seem like they have their shit pretty well together. And I tip my hat to them for that. But anyways, Hansen has a beer out in the market, and it's called Mm Hops. Oh, jeez. Of course it yes. is. Okay. <laughs> Which I have not had, but they did take some uh, promo pictures online. Are you are you typing this in right now? I am. Yeah, I got it. Mm <laughs> okay. Hops. All right. Yeah, I see it. All right. Hansen Brothers Beer. So is it actually, like, they actually have a brewery? I don't think so. I, th- I think they just... Um, I think they partnered with a brewery and just put their name on on one of the beers. That's what I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, because like the the website for it is HansonBrothersBeer.com. So does it reference so, a different brewery on it? So Hanson Brothers Beer is a small beer business based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, founded okay, by the so, three brothers. So it seems like they fa- okay. So it's their own brewery. It's their own brewery. Oh yeah. my god. Look and, at that! Yeah, good on them. Yeah, and yeah, mm, hops is seems to be maybe the only one that they make. What's odd is like okay, so most beer uh, websites that you go to, one of the things in the menu is what beers, you know. Uh, 
but they don't have that. They have home re- home news retailers about and contact, and that's it. So that leads me to believe that they make mm hops, and that's it. Okay. And w- do they have a style? Is it an American it's a pale ale? Pale? Yeah, it's it's a pale ale. Okay. Uh huh. So now I'm looking up Untapped here. Uh, hops. <laughs> I feel so strange <laughs> typing that in. All right, especially when uh, we just got talking, got done talking about Iron Maiden and Megadeth and, yeah. and Metallica, and now we're on mm, now. Hops. Now we're now we're doing a deep dive on Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on Untapped, they actually have a rating of I just saw it three point two. Okay. So that's kind of good, not great. You know, um, let's see what else it says about it. It's it's an apparently awarded a gold medal from the Beverage Tasting Institute in 2014. It's a malt forward English style pale ale combining English and American grains with both bread and caramel notes, completed by a unique blend of American hops, which provide a mild fruit overtone. And a complex hoppy finish is the hmm. uh, is the description on Untapped. Award winning in twenty fourteen. Mm hmm. Huh. Interesting. And when I look up Hanson Brothers Beer Company on Untapped as a brewery, uh, it looks like they may have some other things, but. Mm, hops is basically the uh, the primary one that they then they have nine beers attributed to them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but all of them, all the other ones seem to be kind of one shots or seasonals. That seems to yeah. be their their main. That's their bread state and butter. Their state yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Well, named after their their biggest hit song, so I guess it's fitting. Yeah. Right. Well, I tell you what. Now I'm kind of. Intrigued to you try wanna, it. You want to you know? try some um hops? Why not? Right. <laughs> All right. You know, sure. I mean, it could be terrible, but yeah. You, know. right. you know what we should do? We should uh, we should put all these side by side. Maybe we should do that on the show. We'll try Enter Night. We'll try just one of Iron Maiden's like whole product lines. Okay. We'll have a Tulamon Megadeth's beer, and then we'll have um hops and Destroyer Kisses Destroyer. And kisses. Yeah, we can have that yeah, too. Yeah, I'll okay. tell you what. I really like that idea. Yeah, I let's think let's do that on a future show. Okay. I mean, we can we can totally acquire these. They can totally. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even if it has to be you know snow globe style, we'll we'll, we'll get it. That's fine. Yeah, That's yeah. Fine. It can yeah. happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, we're committing to it now. It's on the air. So. Yeah, sounds good. So I found you know where I found these two um, is at a place in Charlottesville. Um, called beer run which actually is a pretty good uh restaurant and it has a really good selection of beers there and i kind of teased this a little bit too but one of the ones that was there was a blonde stout oh i've had one of those you've had uh, Uh uh-huh you know i've talked with a couple people about this and it just had absolutely no business calling itself a stout oh but okay i'll tell you what it was because it was it was golden it was just it oh was, yeah 
it had no business calling itself a stout in in my mind but it did have a really good flavor and it and and it had a very strong coffee presence and it was uh it had been brewed with lactose and and so and and obviously a high final gravity because it was very it was kind of thick and sweet and it had all those kind of elements i just don't get the concept of a blonde stout do you i've had a couple examples of a blonde stout the first one i had um blew my mind okay and it it nailed it like if you drank this beer blindfolded you would swear you're having a pint of guinness but then you look at the glass and you have this golden beer that has it, the only stout identifier would be just the head on it because it had kind of that that leftover stout head. Right. Okay. The, now the one that you had, did it have that? Yes, it did. Yeah, it did. Okay. So what? If okay, if you weren't getting a stout flavor from that, what did it taste like to you? Um. It. I mean, it had the roasty, mostly coffee flavors to it. Roasty, mostly coffee, and it still maintained yeah, a blonde de- color. Oh yeah, no, it definitely had a roasty huh. flavor to it. So there's definitely some roasted no. malts in there. So um, that that's that's way different than than what I had. Yeah, and and some of that I imagine was accentuated or or added by the um, the. Uh, and I'm racking my brain right now trying to remember the name of it because I'm terrible at using Untapped. Um, but you know. It, it was probably added or, or accentuated by the coffee, but it was definitely on the roasty side of things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to come up with the name of the brewery. I do remember it was out of California. Okay. But that's all I remember. The brewery that I had, had mine in was here in the Midwest. Was it? Okay. Was yours Weldworks? Was that the brewery? Yeah. Okay. Because that's a popular one. As I've been looking up Blonde Stout, trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this, um, that's one that that keeps coming up as Weldworks. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What else is in the variety pack? Are we going to have to wait for uh, for next shows uh, to get to find out? Uh, that I bought over at Beer Run, you mean? Well, are you? Uh, you you've had an interesting array of uh, of beers available here on the show. So obviously the say the um, the uh, oh yeah. So the other thing I picked up over at Beer Run, which is where I got these two, was our good old friend uh, the Cruvée, uh from Hardywood, which yeah. is a, one of their peach triples, aged in white wine barrels i think it was a cabernet blanc barrel if i remember correctly and i'm very much looking forward to trying that because that was our first impression of a beer aged in a wine barrel that was at your house that we drank Uh uh-huh yeah it it? was Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh and that's what and that was really good that and orenda was what inspired our triple red wine that we did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That it was. 
and I, that was very good i remember that um yeah but oh, yeah man. that was oh i wish i was there to try that <laughs> <laughs> does it have a year on the bottle oh i think it's from this year from this year okay yeah. so it's an annual release okay cool. yeah it's definitely an annual release so yeah speaking of that at some point in the next couple of months they are going to have their peach cobbler mamas mm-hmm. yeah i have to Something keep an to eye out, out for, for that uh-huh. i know i'll keep an eye yeah. out yeah all right thank you i know that was one of the only ones that you almost gave a five out of yeah. five to so yeah <laughs> For good reason. Mm-hmm. That beer was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Anyways, we give all kinds of love to uh, Hardywood on this show for we good do. reason. They're they're fantastic. Yeah. So what do you... Anyways. So we're going to be... Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to be... I'm going to be out of town for a little while. Um, doing He's going to be va- visiting Mickey and Minnie. Yeah, doing some vacation stuff. and yeah. uh, But we're going to be swinging back in May and probably doing a at least an every other week thing. Um, but we have both said that if the fancy should strike us, that we will uh, fire up a live show, maybe do a podcast, and be, yep. you know, be available to you guys. So we'll keep you abreast of what's going on there. Yeah. And... Uh, but yeah, so what what are you planning on brewing next? What's what's kind of on your decks? You know what? It's you know what? It's not locked in right now. Let, okay. let me take a look. And uh I had two brew days that were really um close in time. I had, you know, two brew days in one month. Okay. So I don't know if I have one on deck here. I'm kind of in a similar situation. I have my saison and now i'm gonna have my apa in kegs so that's my keg space so what i was thinking about doing was maybe doing a lager okay that would that i could stick in my keyser and and i could have that lager for uh, for an amount of time as for as long as you want right yeah at least until i had some keg space opened up and so that's kind of what i was thinking there I, i i don't think i was thinking like a marzen a little something a little bit lighter, like make lay, maybe a Pilsner or something like that. Yeah. Or That's a Hellas, really I think, idea. would be maybe a good idea. It's Ooh, a Hellas, yeah. We've, we've never made a Hellas before. We haven't, yeah. Something would, a little hoppier. And in time for summertime, that would be that would be something fitting to make. That's a great idea. Yeah. So, Man. So what about you? I don't know. Okay. I like the idea of doing a lager. Um, okay. I, uh, my space is pretty full right now because I've got a Marzen that's in secondary right now it's um it's cold crashed all the way down to its lagering temperature um i'm hoping that i can get some extra space that i can do some additional things with but um old 47 is full all my kegs are full got build that keyser we talked about you know what i uh i'm looking very seriously into that i've found a couple of uh fitting chest freezers that i think i can do some work on okay um I just I need to uh, I need to be a big boy and just take the plunge into it. Pull the trigger, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, finding a chest freezer is proven not to be very difficult. No, you you go out to like Craigslist or the Facebook Marketplace or something. They're all over the place. 
So even short of drilling um, tap heads into one of those, I feel like with a temperature controller, I could immediately make use of one of those. Yeah, no, that's true. And I definitely would not recommend drilling into the the device itself. Uh, That's why I put the wood collar on mine. So I could drill through the wood collar. So we're going to have to have a deeper conversation about that fact right there. I I need to better understand that. Yeah, because, you know, you drill through and you run the risk of what I ran into with my uh, um, little refrigerator that I had where I accidentally hit one of the coolant lines and all the Freon escaped. And there's really no way to refill that. So that became essentially useless at that point, unfortunately. So, yeah. But I would definitely recommend building yourself a a collar to put on your, your keyser. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I want to prepare for that because I, I think I'm ready to make the plunge. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you, uh, this time next week, will you be in the great state of Florida? I will. This time next week, I will be there. Um, and and I will should not. We look for you, should we look for you on the Florida Man uh, Twitter page? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> if I show up there, it means something has gone horribly wrong. So, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I, I think I'm going to, I think I can try to do something with you uh, maybe that second week of May. So you may see something from us then. Um, uh, but I'll definitely be back the week after that. So. We look forward to it. Yeah. Again, this month has been so great. I've enjoyed every recording to, to no end. Um, we we don't have a firm timetable around May yet. And uh, George has some things going on. I have some things going on. So it's it's going to be a full month. But um, the show is, is not going to... Um, we're going to have a presence throughout May. There's no question about it. We're just not quite sure at, at, at this point what uh, what form is, uh, that's going to take. But the best thing to do is uh, keep uh, keep close to us on social media. We'll we'll keep the pages updated. We'll uh, we'll keep everyone apprised of uh, where things are headed and uh, keep in touch with keep in touch with us that way. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We enjoy hearing from you guys and getting ideas from you. You know, we've come up with in in April a number of different ideas. We've kind of been you know. Uh, trading ideas of what we should talk about on the podcast but if there's something that you'd like to hear let us know you know we're absolutely we're we're open to different topics you can try to play like stump the semi-pros if you want to or of course yeah that's a that's a great idea for a show too yeah (laughs) and we'll stump the semi-pros we'll be happy to you know tackle whatever topics we're on on homebrewing or uh the brewing industry that that you'd like us to yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. One uh, one last time. Check us out on social media: Facebook at Nice Place to Brew, uh, Instagram at A Nice Place to Brew. Our Twitter page is A Nice Place to Brew. Mm-hmm. I believe. Nice Place to Brew. It is. It's a. It's Nice Place to Brew. Okay. Yep. Check us out on Twitter at Nice Place to Brew. Talk to George, and uh, keep in touch with us. Yeah. And we, we keep look forward our- to seeing you on the next episode. Yeah, and if you're not a fan of like the podcasting apps, you can always play our podcast through our website at uh, a nice place to brew dot com, or on SoundCloud dot com, or on SoundCloud. So yeah, very good. All right, right, let's close up. All right, 
You want to say it? Yeah. All right. It takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>